Hey there, it's Nikki Klosser, and I want to let you know about an awesome free giveaway for people on our email list. If you haven't already, click the link in our podcast description or go to theportraitsystem.com slash sign up to get on the list. If you sign up, you'll get a free Posing 101 PDF to jumpstart things. It's an epic PDF, so you'll definitely want to get this. Also, just by being in our email community, you'll get deals, sales, and information about any of our upcoming events and activities. So head over to theportraitsystem.com slash sign up and sign up today. You're listening to the Portrait System Podcast. Once the earthquakes and things happened, my work disappeared virtually overnight. So it just became a rebuild, really, just like we were rebuilding our city. I had to rebuild my business as well. So the last two years, I have been making a gradual transition of moving my work into the studio. It will be set up so that if my clients would like to come and stay on the night of their shoot, they could have a night away so they could be there nice and restful and ready for their photo shoot in the morning. Or they could stay after the shoot, like a dream shoot away. This is the Portrait System Podcast, a show that helps portrait photographers and people hoping to become one navigate the world of photography, business, money, and so much more. We totally keep it real. We share stories about the incredible ups and the very difficult downs when running a photography business. I'm your host, Nikki Klosser, and the point of this podcast is for you to learn actionable steps that you can take to grow your own business and also to feel inspired and empowered by the stories you hear. Today's guest is Shar Devine, and I chatted with her all the way from New Zealand. Shar made quite an interesting transition from photographing weddings to focusing on portraits because her country experienced a huge natural disaster when they had an earthquake, and this forced her to look at other ways to start running her business. It was really interesting, too, to listen to Shar's story because while she was trying to figure out what to do next, it's almost like she manifested this new portrait side of her career without even realizing she was doing it. Her work is gorgeous. She's just such a beautiful person. And she gives such an amazing experience to her clients. And she talks all about it with me today during the episode. Okay, let's get started with Shar Devine. Hey, Shar, how's it going? I'm good, thanks, Nikki. How are you? I'm just doing wonderfully. So you're in New Zealand, right? I am, yes, indeed. Awesome. Where at in New Zealand? So New Zealand has two islands, the north and the south, Mm -hmm. and I'm in Christchurch in the South Island. Okay, very cool. I hear it's really beautiful there. It is very beautiful. We're in winter now, so it's a little bit bit cool, Mm -hmm. but we have a beautiful range of seasons down, down here. We've just gone past the shortest day, so it means that we're right in the middle of winter now. Ah, okay. Lovely mountains, lovely lakes. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of skiing. If you're into skiing, now's the time to come visit. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Wish you could all come and visit. <laughs> yeah, we're we're opposite. We're actually in the heart of summer and I love every second of it. <laughs> so amazing. Fantastic. All right. So photography. We need to talk all about your story, about your business, and just how you got to be where you are. So I'm curious. I I actually don't know what you did prior to photography because I think you've been doing photography for a really long time, right? I have, yes. Yeah. So has that always been the case or was there something prior to that? There was. I mean, photography was a happy accident for me, really. I started my career learning Japanese and I wanted to work in the tourism industry. Wow. So when I'd finished studying, I worked in sort of some retail outlets. And then I went and lived in Japan for a while, for about a year. 
So I was in a place called Sapporo, which is the, the largest city in Hokkaido, which is the furthermost north island of Japan. And I lived there for a while teaching English. Wow. Do you speak Japanese? I do. That's incredible. Perhaps not as good as, as what it used to be, but I can understand, you know, basic conversations and things like that. I taught some children school Japanese for a while to help them with their learning. And my hairdresser is Japanese, so we have these really amazing conversations of half English, half Japanese, which is really cool. Wow, that's really great. I hear it's not that easy to learn, you know, as a second language anyway. I didn't realize until I started teaching English how complex English mm. actually mm-hmm. is. So if you do a comparison that way, Japanese is actually way easier. Really? <laughs> we, Interesting. We have so many crazy ways that we, we say things. We have one word that may have four different meanings, like C, C, and C, you know. Mm-hmm. In Japanese, they're a little bit more pragmatic and that one word means one thing. Their writing system is perhaps the most complex thing, but... I found that learning Japanese was a lot easier than teaching English, that's for sure. <laughs> wow. I was always trying to learn Spanish. Maybe I should have tried to, <laughs> try oh, to well, Japanese. I can teach you Japanese, Nikki. There's no, no problem at all. <laughs> that sounds amazing. I would love that. Yeah. yeah. So when I came back to New Zealand after, after being there, I found it really hard to get work. And at that stage, I mean, I'm, I'm going back, you know, 20-odd years. This is quite a, quite a while ago. I was like 22, 23. I found it hard to get work. Japanese people at that stage were a little, little bit unsure about foreigners speaking their language. And so I started working for a company that made photographic business cards. And the company didn't do quite so well here in Christchurch. It was a little bit too modern for them, I think, back then. But the lab that was doing the processing of the cards needed someone to work there. So this is like a, a Kodak mini lab. So I started working in the photo lab, and that's how I got introduced to photography. Right. Because photography was never on my radar prior prior to that. Wow. So at that point, did you fall in love with it or decide it was something you were going to do? Or was it just sort of a, you know, a transition period? My boss gave me a camera one day. It was an old film camera. It was a Nikon. It had an 85 millimeter lens on it. And he said, here you go, go and play with this for the weekend. And I went, oh, okay. So away I went. And I took some, some photographs in the backyard, as you do, you know, of your cat and flowers in the garden and things. And I didn't actually think in a million years that anything would even turn out. So when I got back to work on the Monday and I put it through the, through the processor and all these beautiful images came out, I went, wow. And that was that. Yeah. <laughs> I was hooked. <laughs> Isn't that funny how it's like, oh, all right, maybe I can do this. <laughs> like, I know. Okay. I don't think I had a creative bone in my body. You know, I'm the kind of person that draws stick figures. Mm-hmm. Same, Shar. Same. <laughs> Didn't think I was a very artistic person, and I guess it was just a matter of finding your medium. You know, drawing was just not not for me, but the creativity side of me started to come out through photography, which is really really cool because my I spent a lot of time with my grandma growing up, and she was incredibly artistic and very very clever. Mm. I was hoping that I had some of her talent. And I just didn't realize that it was kind of there, but I just needed to find the way to express it. Right, right. Yeah. So you said you fell in love with it and it was just kind of over from there. So what happened next? What type of photography were you shooting? So what happened next was we used to do quite a lot of work for sports photographers and things. So I decided that they had very big, cool lenses and I wanted to be like them. So I wanted to be a sports photographer. And I photographed a little bit of sport, a little bit of soccer and things like that. And 
somehow, and I can't, I can't quite remember how, how it happened, I did photojournalism at university, just a, a part-time night course. Mm-hmm. And I really love that. I love learning those documentary style skills and how to look at things through a different perspective. And somehow I got involved in weddings. And I, I still to this day can't remember how that actually happened because remember, I wanted to be a sports photographer, not a wedding photographer. Right. <laughs> and they're quite different. <laughs> I know. So I started working for a company that was based in Australia, but they had two offices here and they did weddings for Japanese tourists. So because I spoke Japanese and because I could photograph, I started working for them. Right. So we would have Japanese couples come here to New Zealand. We had a whole bridal centre set up that had wedding dresses, suits, flowers, the whole thing. And they would have a beautiful ceremony here with us and I'd photograph for them. Wow. That's what a cool like niche to be in. It was really, really fun. We met some amazing, amazing people. It was very hard work, very, very long hours. And we used to have to travel to Queenstown, which is south of Christchurch. It's about a six and a half, seven hour drive. You might remember Sue had a workshop here a couple of years ago and she Mm -hmm. took her team down to Queenstown. Yeah, I was having a baby and couldn't go. (laughs) Oh, oh no. I know. One day I'll get there. Oh, don't you hate that? (laughs) I know that Caitlin and Jason really loved Queenstown. So we would have to drive down to Queenstown. And at that stage, we didn't have a Rolls Royce down there because we had Rolls Royces in our fleet of cars. So we would have to drive the Rolls Royce down to Queenstown. And that was huge amount of fun, a huge amount of fun. Oh, I bet. So we'd have the car loaded up with dresses and suits and flowers and all sorts of things, tiaras. So we would wear tiaras and, you know, wearing our jeans and our casual clothes and we would pull into the petrol station to get fuel and we'd be wearing like these glittery crowns, which was really awesome. (laughs) And people (laughs) would be looking at us. So fun. Looking at the car. So I did that for, for a couple of years. I actually got to go back to Japan with this company, which was really lovely, and went back to where I used to live and saw some of my old friends, which was really, really fantastic. And when I finished working for them is when I started working for myself. When you started working for yourself, you continued to do weddings? Yes, I did. Okay. So I've been shooting weddings for about 22 years, I suppose. Oh, wow. Yeah. And you don't still shoot weddings, though, do you? I'm just been the last few years easing easing out of those. Um, it was probably just before we had the big earthquake here in Christchurch. Right. My bookings were starting to drop and then we had had the earthquake here. So we had to do sort of like a real rejig of, of where I wanted to be and what I wanted to do and what was ultimately making me happy. Mm-hmm. I still absolutely loved doing weddings, but I realised that it couldn't just be now the only thing that I was doing because the market had had changed a lot. Right. Yeah. Okay. So at what point did you, because I know that you focus now on portraits, at what time, you know, obviously the earthquake and everything, you know, things shifted, but did you ever get to the point where you just decided, I just really want to do portraits and move away from weddings? Or, you know, how did this transition happen? So I wrote down and this is the power of writing a list and, you know, and Sue talks about writing a letter to yourself about, you know, where you want to be and what you, what you wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So before I discovered Sue, I wrote down the things that I loved and 
what I wanted to incorporate into my business and, and ultimately what I could do if that was the things I could combine together. So I wrote down that I love photography. I love makeup. I love clothes. I love good food. And I wondered how I could incorporate all those all those things together. And we were after that, a friend of mine had been to a conference in Rotorua, which is in the northernmost part of the North Island of New Zealand. And he said, oh, we're the speaker at the conference and I think you'd really like her. Her name is Sue Bryce. I went, oh, okay. And so I searched for Sue and I found her on Creative Live. And that was kind of like the final piece of the little puzzle of the things that I'd written down was how I could photograph in a style that incorporated things that I loved, but also produced images that I would love. So I wrote my list and Sue came to me. Wow. So you basically manifested this. I think I did. It sounds like you completely manifested it. Without even realizing it. Right. (laughs) Without even realizing it. Right. That's pretty amazing. That's very powerful. Okay. So you see Sue speak and all of this is resonating to you. Yeah. I didn't see Sue speak, unfortunately. I didn't manage to get to that conference. So I found Sue via Creative Life. So I started following her back then. Right, okay. When she did In Bed with Sue. So I'd been following her since then. Okay, gotcha. So that was like, what, 2014, 2015, something like that? 2014, that's right. 2014, okay. So at this point, you're like knee deep in weddings still, right? So I still had quite a few weddings, weddings to do. And once sort of the earthquakes and things happened my work disappeared virtually virtually overnight. So I started working for a company that I'd done some part-time work for in retail. Basically, it was a lifesaver really because there was no work for me at that, at that stage. Mm-hmm. So it just became a rebuild really, just like we were rebuilding our city. I had to rebuild my business as well. Wow. So at that time, you just decided you're going to rebuild as a portrait photographer? I did. Yeah. I found that, you know... It was time to make a change. I still love weddings and I will, you know, I will still do them for people if they come to me and and they would like me to do that for them. I'm not actively chasing weddings, if if that's the, the right word, but I'd like to do things that are still wedding connected, like engagement portraits or maybe small elopements or glam the dress. I love doing those kind of shoots. So that's a way to sort of still incorporate the years I spent photographing weddings and a lot of my clients that are in my database are still my wedding clients from 20 years ago, which is amazing. Wow. Tell me for people out there who are listening, who might not know what Glam the Dress is, tell me a little bit about that. It was something that Sue did a few, few years ago. And instead of trashing the dress, which I just, I couldn't do that. I mean, I still have my wedding dress. Do you still have your wedding dress, Nikki? I do somewhere. I couldn't tell you where. (laughs) I think it might be in my attic. Yes, I do have it. (laughs) (laughs) Somewhere. So rather than than trash it, like take it to the beach and or, you know, go under a waterfall or throw red wine over it or something like that, you embellish the dress and and make it a bit more glamorous. Maybe the makeup that you wear is a little bit more heavy or a bit more dramatic than more than what you'd probably wear on, on a wedding day. A lot of brides don't often get the opportunity to revisit and rewear their wedding dresses. They wear it for one day and and normally, you know, that's it. And it's really fun. 
and a lot of my customers and my clients, they love being able to rewear their wedding dresses and maybe they do it for an anniversary or I've had a few clients that, that weren't happy with their original wedding photographs, so it gave them an opportunity to, to do a little bit of a reshoot, mm-hmm. which is something I hadn't even thought about, which is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. So tell us a little bit what your business is like now. Like, what are you shooting most of? You know, are you doing a lot of glam the dress? What makes up most of your photo shoots? At the moment, I'm doing a little bit of personal branding, which is great. I've got a couple of companies that I do like business headshots and things for them. And the rest are just a, a wide range of women, more sort of heading into the into the 50s kind of genre. So there's kind of making up the bulk of what I'm what I'm doing at the moment. Obviously with with COVID, well, I haven't been shooting much at all. Right. But hopefully um, we're looking to change that in the next next wee while now that we're doing a little bit better than other countries at the moment in terms of that. So mainly older women, I think, is probably, oh, hell, that's probably a better way to phrase that. <laughs> 50 plus or 40. Yeah, I'm probably looking more towards the, the 50s demographic is, is where my work is, is sitting at the moment. And I love that. Okay. Yeah, that's awesome. So, Okay. When it comes to rebranding yourself and moving out of weddings and into portraits, mm-hmm. like how do you do that? And I know you you kind of had an interesting situation where, you know, with the earthquake and everything, you kind of had to do some rebranding and refinesse what your business looked like. But how did you do it, I guess? Well, that was really quite an eye-opener. I was so used to people coming to me for work, for weddings, mm-hmm. that I thought that that would just translate straight to portraits. And I didn't realize that selling portraits was going to be so much different to selling weddings because people would come to me for weddings, but for portraits, I would have to go looking for that work. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole different set of skills that you need for selling portraits and looking for portrait work that that I didn't have and that I didn't know that I needed. So it was quite challenging in the beginning. And I'm very grateful to Sue because all the information that I needed was there. And there was a lot of information that I didn't know that I needed as well. <laughs> Same, right, yes. To make that transition, I'm going, oh my goodness, I didn't know that. I didn't know this. I didn't, I didn't know I needed to do that. So it was quite a challenge. And the first shoot that I did, I was so nervous working one-on-one, like I was talking flat out. I was gabbling, I think. I was very, very nervous and I couldn't figure out why. You know, I'm used to managing up to 100 people at a wedding and being on a ladder and getting groups together and working the whole day with a whole pile of people and yet suddenly working one-on-one just totally freaked me out. (laughs) It was very unexpected. Isn't that funny? I know. And yet Sue would say, you know, for her, shooting weddings was like, you know, sticking pins in her eyes. But for, <laughs> for, for me, switching from one to the other, it was exciting, but it was terrifying at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when I was making the switch and I remember having a, a really, you know, heart to heart conversation with Sue saying, I'm just really struggling with the idea of charging people $2,000 for photos. And she's like, but you can charge $6,000 for a wedding. No problem. Why can you do that? Yeah, exactly. And I remember saying, well, because a wedding is like your once in a lifetime thing. Like you have to have a wedding photographer, but you don't have to have portraits. And she challenged me on that. She's like, there are so many important reasons to have portraits. One, your family and friends want them of you. 
you know, they're, these portraits are going to outlive you. Two, you have the opportunity to make a woman feel so incredibly beautiful and really just give her a boost, you know, to give a woman photos that she finally loves of herself. That's another reason. And three, you know, when you think about personal branding and, you know, business photos or whatever, you can help your clients make more money and book more business themselves when they have better photos. I mean, she could list off all of these reasons why these photos are worth $2,000. And I'm like, okay, that's right. This is true. And I had to really shift that mentality. Mm. And it was really what it came down to was me valuing it and me understanding that like, okay, yes. And you know, of course, if you follow Sue, you know, all of the talk about guilt and shame around accepting money and receiving money and actually keeping it instead of blowing through it and you know, all that good stuff. But really working through all of that and and finally understanding the value of these portraits is what really shifted for me. Yes, indeed. It's, and it takes a wee while to, to get your head, ar- head around that because unless you do the work, you don't really understand what it is that you need to do. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and like you said, when people are reaching out to you for wedding photos, that's because that's what people do when they get married. They hire a wedding photographer. Whereas a 50-year-old woman it's not necessarily the common typical thing to celebrate turning 50 with a photo shoot. I mean, obviously we're trying to change that and make it common and make it the thing to do, but they don't necessarily know that they need those photos yet. So we have to like really market to them. Exactly. Absolutely. And it's interesting because sometimes I see, you know, photographs pop up in my Facebook feed and things like that. And often the photographs that they post are the only photographs that they perhaps have of their parents have been the ones that I've taken at their wedding and that's all that they have. So that's, you know, that's a very important point. Yeah, you're right. It is a very important point. And I've seen the same where people will post like for Father's Day or Mother's Day. That's what you often see is is a photo from their we- the wedding day. Mm. That you're exactly right. And especially, you know, if people have passed and things like that, you know, quite often that they're the only photographs that they that they have. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. The portraits to have it are so valuable. It is. It really is. So how are you marketing to people then? Some of it comes obviously through through word of mouth, which is which is fantastic. And I do have quite a good database, you know, from from my wedding days, from my clients. I do marketing through through Facebook, obviously, and Instagram. And a lot of it is, you know, from referrals from my existing clients, which I'm very, very grateful for. Okay, so a lot of referrals. And when you say Facebook and Instagram, are you doing any sort of paid ads or are you, is it just organic where you're just tagging clients and that sort of thing? I do a little little bit of both. I do pay promotions from time to time, depending on, on what I want to do. People that know me, they know that I, I absolutely adore op shopping, which you guys call thrift shopping, I think. right. I often look for really lovely treasures for people to wear. A lot of my clients don't have an extensive wardrobe and they don't go, they go, oh, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to wear. I don't know what to bring. Right. So I've built up over time quite a kind of really cool portrait wardrobe of all sorts of bits and pieces. And every month I do what's called Dolly's Dress. I have a mannequin in my studio and I will put something together out of all the pieces that I've collected and every month Dolly has a unique outfit that one of my clients will get the chance to wear. So I'd promote that every month. Oh my gosh, I love this. <laughs> so creatively, it's really good for me because I'm really happy when I'm pulling everything out of my old suitcases and things like that and looking for what I've got and what I can put together. 
I'm not a sewer. I don't make things, but I can put things together. And that's what I really love doing. It's, it's kind of like my happy place. So I, what I put together is never the same. There may be one piece that is featured in another another outfit, but I try and make sure that it is something absolutely unique and it will only be a once and someone will get the opportunity to win that. So I do a little few giveaways and things and those kind of things. Mother's Day, obviously, is a lovely one. So I've just, just been looking at rejigging what I'm doing at the moment just because of the nature of our environment at the moment with COVID. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I just think Dolly's dress is so clever. Dolly's dress. So you've named your mannequin Dolly. Like, yeah. I feel like it kind of builds anticipation. Like, ooh, what's Dolly's dress going to be next month? Or it's it's kind of like a yes. a quirky way to get people to continue to come back to your social media or whatever and see what's happening next. I think, just think it's so cool. Mm. And I think, too, you have to look for something that's a little bit different from what everybody else is doing. You've got to find your own voice and your point of difference. If everyone's doing the same kinds of things, you've got to find out, you know, how you're going to stand out in, in the crowd. Because, you know, you do cast quite a wide net when you're putting money into advertising, particularly on Facebook and, and those kind of platforms. So you've got to make sure that it does work for you and it does um, generate the work that you're looking for and the clients. Right. And I know you have before and afters on your website. Mm-hmm. Do you find people referencing them or talking about, you know, your before and afters? I don't promote them a lot via Facebook or some of those other other platforms. They are on on my website. I don't tend to promote them as much. Some of my clients don't want to see there before. Right, right. (laughs) Even though I say to them, look, you're beautiful in in whatever you do, just because it's a before and after, you know, please don't feel that it's not a good representation of who you are because it it is who you are. So I don't do a lot of promoting around that. People get more excited about seeing the end result, I think, for me. Right. You know, and the reason I asked is I know that that can be a really big marketing tool for people. And I know Sue had said on her website back when, you know, she just had her regular portrait website, her, the before and after was one of the most visited pages. And that's how it is for me, too. Oh. So I'd be curious if you looked on like Google Analytics or whatever to see if it's one of your most visited pages. Oh, yeah. People are really fascinated by before and afters. It can be such a strong marketing tool. I should do that, actually. That sounds like a very good idea. Yeah, you'll have to look and let me know. And I also don't put a lot of them on Facebook or Instagram. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I just don't. Again, I, I don't want clients to feel like, oh, look, you know, how terrible they look before and after. Mm. I I feel like I try to put it as more of like it's an everyday photo versus glammed up. Like, you know, this is Char, like an everyday look. And this is her you know, glammed up portrait that we did or whatever, you know, to make it so it's not like, oh, look how bad she looks now. Look how good know, she looks. But And a lot of it is respecting my clients' wishes too. A lot of them don't want to have their before shown. So I'm mindful and respectful of that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about your pricing and your packages and do you have a session fee and all that good stuff? I do. So my session fee is $295 and that includes the photography with me and hair and makeup with one of my stylists. It also has a $100 print credit towards the first image order. Okay. So it's quite simple and quite straightforward. So I do have a consultation as part of that. So they come to the studio and they have a, we talk about what they want to do and how they want to be photographed whether they want to include some personal branding, um, if they need an updated headshot for their businesses. 
So we do a consultation first, and then they can have a look through all my all my treasures and my portrait wardrobe too, if they want to do something a little bit more exciting, or if they want me to put an outfit together especially for them. Then that's when we talk about those sorts of things then. And then I really love my portfolio boxes. They come in sort of three sizes from six prints to 10 or to 20. What I also include with those are beautiful little easel frames. Mm-hmm. And um, they're white or black and they hold an 8 by 10 matted print. And I find that my customers really love those because they can change what image they want to put on the easel stand depending on how they're, how they're feeling or what suits their, suits their decor or, or anything like that. Mm-hmm. They can buy extra ones of those as well. So like say, for example, if I shoot for a mother and daughter, it means that the daughter can have a little easel frame as well and she can put her images up on them. Or sometimes people have an area where they have a a collection of them. So they have like three or four and they have the the photographs sitting on the easels, which are are really sweet. Yeah. Yeah. And then I do frame prints. So we do everything from a 12 by 16 up to a 20 by 30. And then I do a beautiful vintage frame nine up, which is the biggest one that I do. And that's a 30 by 24. What's a nine up for people listening who might not know what a nine up is? A nine-up is where you have a beautiful mat that's cut into three rows of three. The images are about a five by seven and a half inch print or a five by seven. And you make a beautiful collection of, of nine images and you frame that for your client and they look absolutely stunning. Yeah, I love that. And I love the easel frame. Mm. That sounds like a really great way to display something. Yeah. And like you said, you can swap it out easily. Absolutely. And a lot of people are still a little bit hesitant about seeing large images of of themselves on the wall. And you sort of have to educate your clients about the fact that it's lovely to see yourself in an image. It's not a bad thing to to have a photograph of yourself on the wall. So this is a really nice, really nice compromise for people. And also if they're living in an area where they don't have a lot of space or perhaps they're in a rental property and it's hard to put things on walls because, you know, obviously there's restrictions on putting holes in walls and things like that. Right. Yeah. So those are kind of things you have to think about um, nowadays with a lot of people not owning their own homes and renting. So it's a really nice way to get around that and give people some options and something a little bit different. Yeah, it sounds like you really enjoy the physical print products. Like it's something that you focus on a lot with your clients. Is that right? Yes. I didn't come from a shoot and burn background because I came from a film background from when I used to work in the photo lab. Okay. So changing to digital was quite a big thing for me. I found that quite challenging too because at that stage I had a small baby. So I was trying to manage a baby and figure out this whole digital transition Mm -hmm. so the physicality of prints is something that I've always worked with it's something that the majority of my wedding clients had prints and albums so I am I am very tactile and I love being able to present someone something in their hands Mm -hmm. and that's physical that we can look at together and enjoy and I love that side of things Yeah. Yeah. And do you find that your sales average goes up with physical prints? Like are people purchasing, you know, quite a few things or how how does that work for you? I think, yeah, they do because I don't have just a digital package. Okay. Yeah. I don't do them. I prefer that they do have, they do have prints. And I think that 
perhaps down here you realize that when you when you lose a lot of your personal belongings in an, in an event the one thing that people try and save or wish they had are their photographs mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you can't pick up your hard drive and race out the door in, in an emergency right just just not possible so if you don't have you know physical prints sometimes you know they're lot they're lost forever right so I guess that's another way that you can you know can market what you do is that prints have such longevity whereas you know your hard drive could crash tomorrow and you could you could lose everything yeah that's true that's true yeah so what are your packages then what's your starting price and what do they go up to Okay, so my starting package is $900, which probably doesn't sound a lot in, in your money <laughs> with, our, with our exchange rate and things. No, I mean, that's a good starting point. I mean, that's not bad. It's a good starting point? Oh, that's good. Yeah. I mean, that's what Sue teaches, like, for industry standard is you should, you know, be starting at $900 for a package, not including the session fee. Yeah, so the session fee is, yeah. is on top of that, as, as we talked about before. Right. And then they go up to 2600 so that's for my portfolio boxes. Okay. So 900 is six prints and it goes up to 20 as, um, as 2,600. And then if they want any additional wall prints and that sort of thing, they have to order it separately? Yes. Okay. Yes, they do. So I do silk canvases if people would like those. So they start at an, um, 11 by 14. And the pricing from those varies from around $900 up to $1,600 for those for 20 by 24. But my fine art prints are probably my most favorite. They have a beautiful torn edge on the edge of the prints. And the, the way they're framed, the image looks like it's actually floating inside the frame. They're absolutely stunning. And they have Italian molding framings, which are just beautiful. So they started around about $700 and go up to $1,300 for a 20 by 24 inch print. I'll have to look these up because I can't picture what this looks like. You'll have to send me a picture. I will. I will. Well, they're, via, they're available via Saldex, which I think is called Fineo in America. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I was going to ask for, you know, all of our Kiwi listeners. Where are you ordering all of this from? Because I know it's, you know, you don't have as many options as we do in the States where with different companies. No. Yeah, you're absolutely right. We have nothing in the South Island here in New Zealand. So my folio boxes come from a place called Global Image Products in Sydney, in Australia. And my mats and my framing comes from Saldex in Melbourne, in Australia. So I actually source outside of New Zealand for my products. Okay. Which is something that I do feel a little bit bad about, but we just don't have the supply here in New Zealand in order to do that. Well, you have to do what you need to do to run your business. I mean, yeah, got to do what we do. Yeah. My large nine up framing, which is a beautiful vintage frame, I do actually get made here in Christchurch, which is really, really lovely. I love that. So when you think back to, you know, shooting all these weddings and and even when you were doing the Japanese tourist type weddings and. Do you love what you're doing now? Like, does it feel like, was it a good transition? You know, obviously you went through a really horrible experience Mm -hmm. to decide that you needed to shift your business. I mean, Mm -hmm. are you glad that it's at where it's at now? Or do you, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that everything that I did prior to this has led me to where I need to be now. Weddings have been such a huge part of my life. And 
have given me the basis of the skills that I needed to, to transition more into to doing portrait work. I mean, I always did a few portrait shoots and things like that, but I was known more as a wedding photographer. So people would tend to not come to me for portraits because I thought I only shot weddings. Mm-hmm. So there's been quite an education around my clients too, to let them know that I do other things apart from, from weddings now. I'm really, really happy. I'm finding that it is my happy place. I'm a lot more relaxed. I have a lot more time that I can spend with my clients because with weddings, you're on a time frame the whole day. Oh, for sure. Yeah, you know, you, you're just one piece of a big team that, that help make these days amazing for people getting married. Mm-hmm. I find that these shoots can be a lot more organic because you might have an idea of how you want to shoot as you start, but once you get into the shoot, you find that things happen and things develop and you have the time and the flexibility to be a lot more creative and a lot more spontaneous because you're not restricted to a time frame. Right. It's true. Weddings were tough in that way that, you know, sometimes you only got... <laughs> 10 minutes, 20 minutes with a couple for portraits. And yeah, it's just hard. So oh, I know. And I look back now and I think, how on earth did I do that? <laughs> I know. I know. I hear you. How did I do it? And Shar, do you have a studio? I do. And this has been the most exciting thing that has been in the pipeline. We have a property next door to where, to where we live that's been a rental property for us for a, a, for a very long time. And when I was going through this whole idea of moving into portraits and what I was going to do and following Sue and writing lists and what I, what I felt was really important, and I thought, oh, I need a, I need a studio. I need somewhere to shoot. Gosh, where, where am I going to go? What, where, where can I do that? And then I went, oh, the house next door. <laughs> I could use that. So the plan has been to set the studio there. So in the last the last two years, I have been making a gradual transition of moving my work into the studio and out of our home here. So I have the front of the house, which is my studio. So I have a beautiful big sunroom, which has a wraparound lighting, which is big windows, which is absolutely lovely. I have a makeup room and I have my treasure room with all my goodies in it that I collect from my shopping expeditions. Oh, it does sound lovely. Yeah. So at the moment, we're renovating the back part. I had a someone living in the back part of the house so that it would be sustainable while we're rebuilding the portrait side of things. So at the moment, yeah, we're in renovating mode and we're just putting together new bathroom, new kitchen, all those sorts of things. And the idea being is that we have to live in the house now for a while while we do our repairs on our house. But once we move out, it'll just be just my studio and it will be set up so that if my clients would like to come and stay on the night of their shoot, they could have a night away so they could be there nice and restful and ready for their photo shoot in the morning. Oh. Or they could stay after the shoot. Yeah, very cool. So, yeah, I was thinking about how I wanted to do destination shoots. Obviously, at the moment, we can't. We can't travel as much as what we would like. So I thought, well, what else could we do? Oh, this is smart. So I thought, well, maybe my clients might like to come come and stay so they could have a night away. They could be nice and relaxed. We could organize some nice food for them. So, yeah, so I'm looking for ideas to put together like a dream shoot away when you're not actually leaving the country. Yeah, that sounds so smart. Or even for people who do come, you know, once restrictions are lifted and people are allowed to travel and everything. I mean, I'm just 
thinking about myself and wanting to get away from, you know, I love my kids, but to get away for, for a <laughs> night and like come do a photo shoot and stay, you know, at a cute little house and do the whole night away. Like it's a yeah. really, really great yeah. idea. I think about the people who fly in from different places to do a photo shoot with me and I'm always looking for an Airbnb or recommending a hotel. Like mm. how amazing you just have it right there. Yeah. So they, so they would be able to stay. And then we're right next door, so we can look after them, which is great. And, you know, even if it's a photographer that is coming to Christchurch and needs somewhere to stay and needs somewhere to shoot, then they'd be able to come and use my studio and and have a good time. Yeah, this could be a great little business. So, Nikki, when you want to get away from your children, you can come (laughs) and you missed out on going to Queenstown, you can come to Christchurch. Oh, that would be so amazing. But yeah, I'm loving this idea. This is really great. It's like, or like you said, for people who are, you know, who live there already, it's just like a staycation where, yeah, just come for a night, a night away. and Exactly. Oh, what a great idea. Very, very cool. You have to keep us posted on that in the Facebook group. I will. I will. Because I'm just looking at ideas at the moment about what makes a stay memorable for people and what things they would really like to have, whether it's beautiful linen on the bed or whether they like to open the fridge and see some beautiful treats in there or, you know, just finding those little things that would just make the stay absolutely fun and memorable. Yeah, very cool. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And it sets you apart too from other photographers. You know, Mm. it adds that special experience there. Mm. And I think, you know, like we were talking about before is that you have to find out what your point of difference is and find out, you know, what you you love because what you love is what you sell. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. Yeah, as you as you grow that part of your business, you'll have to post in the Sue Bryce Education Facebook group and keep us posted on all of it. I will indeed. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, cool. Well, I really appreciate you sharing all of your success and story with us. Mm. I do have a couple more questions for you, though, before we finish. Oh, good. <laughs> Far away. So number one, I, I always ask these questions to everyone at the end. What's something that you can't live without when you're doing a photo shoot? I'd have to say it would be my foam core boards that I have painted mm. and mm. they're painted a resine color called Piha, which is kind of a kind of a bluey, a dark blue gray, almost black, but not quite. And I shoot on them all the time. I absolutely adore them. And they're the background in a lot of lot of my images. So that'd be probably the the one, one of the most important things that I absolutely can't do without. Perhaps my second thing would be all my treasures in my portrait wardrobe because yeah. Yeah. we just pull things out of it all the time and it just we create so much fun and laughter around choosing that sort of stuff and, and wearing them in the photo shoots. Yeah. You'll have, I know I'm asking you to post a lot, but you'll have to post a photo of all of your stuff too in the Facebook group. <laughs> if you haven't already, I don't remember seeing yeah. it. But Yeah, you might think I might need an intervention because you think, oh, sure, you've got an awful lot of, you've got an awful lot of stuff in here. But <laughs> oh, I, I sure it. will. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, next question. How do you spend your time when you're not working? Oh, there's something I'm working on, Nikki, because I always seem to be working. <laughs> <laughs> We have a small a small family. Our daughter's 17. So I'm finding that I'm starting to have a little bit more of my own time now that, that she's sort of off, off doing her own thing. Mm-hmm. So if I do have a bit of downtime, I'm normally trawling through thrift shops looking, looking for treasures. I would take the dog for a walk and then I'll be over in my happy place playing with all my treasures. Yeah. Oh, that sounds amazing. 
Okay, number three, what's your favorite inspirational quote? Right. I did some research on this one because I knew that this question was coming up. (laughs) So there's a wee bit of story behind this one. In 2014, a lady posted on Facebook, you know how you get those really cool word puzzles and they come in sort of like a square and they're full of letters and you have to look at the square of letters and see what words appear to you out of yes out of the puzzle have you done one of those before yes I have mm-hmm. so you gotta you gotta look for the words so I don't normally do those kind of things I looked at this one I went oh cool I saw love I saw beauty and I saw power so that's what I I, I wrote in the comments love beauty power And a lady who I don't know, who I've never met, posted underneath what I wrote. And and this is what she said. She said, you are already winning. You have a job you love. There is beauty in what you do. And you have the power to capture youth. These are so the words for you. Wow. That's really beautiful. It was amazing. And I'm like I said, I've never met this woman. And it's something that I've kept from then, from 2014. And I have it written down beside my computer and I, I look at it all the time. So, yeah, love, beauty, power. Wow. Little did she know she'd be making such a big impact on you. I told her. I actually messaged her and I said to her, you've got no idea how important those words have become to me. And I'm very, very grateful to her for that. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. What a great story. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Number four, what would you say to people who are just getting started? Join Sue Bryce Education for sure. Believe in yourself, trust in yourself and whatever opportunity comes your way, take it because it will lead you to where you need to be. Oh, I love that too. Very wise words. (laughs) Okay, so last question. Where can we find you if people are looking for you online, Char? So if you go to my website, is www.sharedivine, which is all one word in lowercase. So it's spelt S-H-A-R-D-E-V-I-N-E dot co dot N-Z. You can find me on Facebook under Shah Divine Photography and the same on Instagram at Shah Divine Photography. Yeah, great. Great. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you again for, for sharing everything with me and with our listeners. And You're so welcome. Yeah, and hopefully one day I'll get to come to New Zealand and stay in your, your renovated studio slash, I guess, bed and breakfast, really. <laughs> yeah, well, Air, Airbnb, who, who knows? Yeah. I would love that. And look, we are child-friendly. We have a huge big backyard and a trampoline. So if you did want to bring the kids, you're more than welcome. Wonderful. Wonderful. Very cool. Well, thank you again. And I will see you in the Facebook group. That sounds fantastic. And yes, I will post those, those images for you. Okay, please do. I'll be looking for them. All right. (laughs) All right. Take care, Shar. Thank you so much, Nick. It's been great talking to you. You too. (laughs) Okay, bye-bye. See ya. Bye. Thank you so much for listening today to the Portrait System Podcast. If you like what you heard, we would really love for you to leave us a five-star review either on iTunes or wherever you're listening. 
And I really, really want to encourage you to head over to SueBriceEducation.com. Over there, you can find all of the education you need to become a successful photographer. It's only $35 and there are over 1,000 on-demand educational videos on things like posing, lighting, styling, retouching, shooting, marketing, sales, business, and self-value. There's also the 12-week startup program that I love. And there are posing downloads, lighting downloads. I mean, truly everything to help make you not only a better photographer, but to make you more money. Once again, that's SueBriceEducation.com.